In the age of victimhood and virtue signaling, it's no wonder that the subject of PTSD can rustle a few feathers when somebody asserts a position or an argument pertaining to such an injury. <clears throat> the subject of PTSD itself is difficult in our world as well as we attempt to describe something or in the past have so vigorously attempted to describe or treat something bureaucratically which in its own nature is entirely quite personal in fact there are two sides to anything or there are two sides two components to what is a as a, is kind of, is this idea of ptsd and one of them is a physio physiological in injury and the other is a moral injury. Now, for good reason, the institutions and the medical system have sought to find ways to treat the physiological side of what contributes to PTSD, for example, with brain injuries, where the part of the brain that helps with impulse regulation is, say, injured or has some scar tissue, or where other elements leading to... Uh, certain physiological responses to what you might want to loosely refer to as triggering experiences um, are no longer operating as normal but the other side of the argument the other side of the in of the injury is the moral injury and that is why a component of what started redacted is to talk about the intellectual approach and the intellectual tools when it comes to the use of force. In my experience, and uh, in, in, in my experience is limited, perhaps you could say it's a, uh, uh, a test bed of one, but in my experience, I observed that those who had a moral framework, at least some semblance of a moral framework when they went into war, were much more capable of handling the kinds of experiences that one encounters in a wartime environment. But let's, le you, let's start with a definition for the moral injury. Oh, and before we go forward, if you are listening to this and you want to support the show, there are going to be ways to do it in the links below. And this show has been 100% user-supported up to this time. And so if you want to support us, you can head over to redactedculture.com locals.com or you can over to, head over to redactedllc.com and jump in on one of the pre-orders as we have moved so much of our uh, t-shirt or our, our shirt making closer to home <clears throat> that being the case moving on so a so the the a generally used definition for moral injury goes something like this when one feels like they have violated their conscience or moral compass when they take part or fail to prevent an act that disobeys their own moral values or personal principles. And this definition is not entirely, it's not wholly inadequate, but it identifies some of the biases and preferences of the writer. Uh, the writer places much of the impetus or the weight on an individual's moral values or their personal principles and not on where those principles may come from. And this is appropriate to the era of writing as we're dealing with some of the post-intellectual age issues. 
So when one feels that they have violated their conscience or moral compass when they partake in or fail to prevent in an act that it disobeys their own moral values or personal principles can come across in a number of examples, say a person who is in the military is um, uh, instructed to do something that they believe to be very strongly against their moral framework. And let's not even use this as a... Uh, ambiguous one they're they're told to commit an atrocity or they are witness to an atrocity that they believe that they should have been able to stop but were unable to and this the 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 moral the implications of moral injuries in regards to PTSD can reveal to us quite a bit about how we think about moral frameworks and why they are important First of all, the issue being here is that if if a moral framework itself is entirely personal, as in it is created in the self, grounded in the self, and it is uh, self-identified, then uh, one might have to ask the question of who are you to have authority over the world or over morality in that sense. This response can be a little harsh. It can be a little sharp. But it, it, it challenges the legitimacy of a moral compass being purely grounded in the self. Where does that person gain their understanding of morality? Where did that moral compass come from? By what conditions were they able to discern or in some odd cases divine that the actions that they were participating in were in fact immoral? If a person believes that morality is relative and might makes right, then how is it that they could ever claim to experience PTSD from the side of a moral injury because they don't believe that morality is something that exists or can be injured, rather something a little bit more mm, trite, being their personal preferences were not met on the battlefield. This is where we see the hierarchy of victimhood creep into our conversation about moral injury. And we are tempted in the way that our environment, our society, our government, our veterans benefits system have uh, been formulated to, we are tempted to exaggerate perhaps, or even lean heavier into those things or worse. And perhaps more often, uh, because we feel there's some illegitimacy in that system, we tend to hide our wounds, even from those who love us, to catastrophic results. But I think there's more to this subject that's going on. If we look at the numbers in the veterans, uh, uh, what causes military and veterans to lose their lives, there is a consistency Year after year, if I if my research is correct, there's roughly about 6,000 veterans who take their lives, give or take, uh, and that is that would mean each year we are losing more veterans than we did during the entire 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan. Every single year, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, in each one of those individual years, more veterans took their own lives than soldiers who then there were soldiers in the entire 20 years uh, soldiers airmen navy uh seals and seamen and whatever uh who lost their lives due to wartime activities 
the only um the the uh the the question that a person might ask is why does this continue year after year if you were a participant in what was gun culture in 2015 one of the common points of concern was the number of that that if i remember the numbers right there were something like 40,000 different veteran run veteran based charities particularly for veteran mental health and yet, despite there being 40,000 of these with their brand new black Raptors wrapped in multicam black as a joke, uh, there were the, the, the veteran suicide rate continued to remain stagnant. Now, if we look at the statistics in relation to the population outside of the veterans, the non-veteran population, there have been uh, growth in per capita or per 100,000 uh, individuals, there has been an escalation or an increase in suicides, most commonly amongst men. And then that is reflected in veteran suicide as well, as in the rates for male suicide are, tend to be pretty high in relationship to other groups, with one exception, which likes to make it their point and their identity. But what happens if I if I I I, I uh, what what happens when I propose this? So after leaving the military, I quickly or I eventually came to understand that that experience, the experiences that veterans have, isolation, loneliness, that the world outside of the military feels like plastic, easily molded and melded, and it doesn't nothing is permanent. Everything sticks and nothing stays, or that uh, there is a lack of direction and movement, or a lack of purpose and meaning, is not unique to veterans, but co a common experience in our country. Instead of isolating this to the lives of veterans, what would what would you think? How would you respond if I said that it is reasonable to understand? It is reasonable to believe that the population of America has been undergoing a series of moral injuries inflicted upon them for the purpose of demoralization. The country that we live in is being subjected to a series of moral injuries such as COVID or forced uh, affirmation of various rising ideologies from Black Lives Matter to the LGBTQ plus trans organization or whatever. It's not good enough to be accepting. You must be affirming of their identities, whether it's the border or and the issue with um, illegal aliens crossing into our country or the never ending march into more foreign wars or the corruption of political parties who say that they have brought more jobs to this country than any president has before them, except for somehow no one can find them and they don't pay very well unless you are a certain breed of corrupt. What is it, what would you call it if that level of abuse would be considered a moral injury? A moral injury, and if we are going to talk about somebody's moral system being injured, how can a person's moral system be injured if it is only relative to the individual? 
these kind of situations deny that metaphysical worldview that morality is located in the individual rather when people many people all people even the people people claim that there is no objective morality what they are all they should also be recognized that they're doing is that they are saying that they then must necessarily by definition be exempt to moral injury if there is no objective thing which can be injured it is entirely personal then whatever they're offended by is thus defined as grounds for moral injury. And we find this concept not only offensive, but counterproductive. And it's not about it being offensive. That wouldn't be very clear. We find this worldview inherently manipulative because the strongest person would be the psychopath who cannot be injured by any moral situation because he doesn't have any hold to any moral standing. And the weakest person would be the person pursuing that which is good for the sake of it being good. And this is counterproductive to how we understand morality because then why is it that those who have a sturdy moral framework upon which that they acknowledge and live according to, why are those the people who are more capable in the sense, more, maybe not anti-fragile, but at least more uh, resilient to moral injury? And how does this apply to our lives in the country? Well, first of all, when it comes to the things that we hold to be right and true and good, if you hold a worldview in that the that morality is merely relative, then when you encounter true evil, you will either be incapable of handling it, addressing that evil, or it will leave its mark on you, leaving you with the scars for years past to deal with. Now, that may sound like a condemnation, something stated in a harsh sense, but why I present it this way and why I present it with such sternness is out of respect for you, the listener. Refusing to engage in a moral framework does not make you strong, it makes you weak. Not weak in a, uh, not weak in sort of a pathetic, insulting way, but in a tragic way. Whereas we do desire, if not rightly, desire to look out after our, those to our right and to our left, whether we call them our brothers, our fellow soldiers, or rangers, or seals, or whatever your place is, or our family members, our wives and our children, our fathers, our brothers, and our sisters in Christ. And so moral framework, engaging in and, and considering what it means for a thing to be moral, such as the moral use of force in defense of, the, of life, because life has inherent value in that human life was created in the image of God and thus being different than other forms of life, whether it be animals or plant life, then we recognize that there is inherent human value in life and the atrocities that we see are them therefore atrocious not because they offend us ourselves but they offend that part in us which is that which was created in the image of god that imago dei part of us evil is evil not because it offends us but because it is evil it is contrary to the good it destroys that which is good because it is good 
that when we encounter genuine evil, whether it's in the streets of our own cities or around the world or in the wickedness of politicians and bureaucrats, when we look at the uncaring nature of our institutions, which have set people out for their own destruction, instead of doing the very duty that they were set, set up to do, well, we can understand evil, not because it is offensive to us and offends our personal principles, but because it is in offense to something much greater than us part of the definition of a thing being God is that it is the single rubric by which all morality is judged. The idea of a God is the judge over all of morality. And so when we claim that it is only merely or in its ultimatum, a moral injury when it is an injury to our preferences, we are unwittingly describing ourselves as God, an arrogant mistake that has consequences <clears throat> but going further and going further into moral injuries that we encounter in this world it is also then something that we can learn to overcome in a sense the pain and suffering that we encounter because we believe that it is evil a thing that is evil is evil because it is in opposition to the source of good and the source of good being god then we can give those things up to that god for healing and for in a sense salvation not all dying to oneself must be painful sometimes it is our pain that we give up, that we put on the altar and we say, I am done with this. It is no longer my identity. So the we have a we have addressed a couple of problems here. One is a morally relative situation, not only is incapable of functionally defining where a moral injury could come from, but it also is it, it which is a bit more important, is it sets one up for moral injury if you are if we separate belief knowledge naivety wisdom cynicism and ignorance by a certain let's say framework that innocence is a lack of knowledge plus i'm sorry naivety is a is a combination of a lack of knowledge plus a sense of moral innocence it's an innocent lack of knowledge eventually Ign uh, eventually, na uh, naivety either becomes ignorance when someone deliberately maintains a lack of knowledge on something that they should know or they ought know about, or that naivety collapses. It oftentimes is faced with an experience that one encounters in the world which challenges the legitimacy of one's beliefs. But in that void, one is tempted to allow cynicism to rush in and claim hold over what a person believes moral injury can ex can happen at this point as one believes in say a generically simple version of right and wrong that the good always wins and good is good because it is loving and kind looking or because it is just good we are the americans we are good or something like that and that worldview that naive worldview collapses through experience that collapsing experience can oftentimes itself be a moral injury. Now, if you were to receive an injury, a physical injury like a laceration, 
um, a, a cut in your forearm, and you chose to keep that wound open for the sake of feeling pain, we wouldn't consider that normal or right, correct? I mean, while there are the immensely personal experiences that individuals go through, if someone encountered a physical injury and sought to maintain the state of being physically injured, we would look at them with a sense of suspicion. Now, why is it that we don't look at people with a sense of moral suspicion when they maintain a moral injury longer than it is warranted? Surely it is a much more difficult time to determine what the appropriate amount of grieving a person should engage when or encounter, engage in after encountering a moral injury, but it nonetheless doesn't imply that we can leave it up to the whims and will of the individual. In the same way, we look at moral injury as something that if it, or we look at moral injury oftentimes as a delivery mechanism taking place when a person moves from a naive worldview to a cynical one. But cynicism must be engaged with. Cynicism is skepticism applied ad infinitum, where, where if somebody is skeptical about something, they might choose to doubt it. But skepticism itself is not a universally self-justifying mentality. Skepticism uh, only explains doubt, but it doesn't replace truth. And so in order to challenge and work within skepticism, we must still be in pursuit of truth, which is where I believe wisdom is found. Wisdom is found in that darkness of doubt, taking small steps, one step at a time, in order to navigate the doubt for small elements that are the boon, which is truth. And we pursue those things despite the overwhelming appearance of the abyss, and we pursue what is true by degrees. And so if we were to believe in moral relativism, we would not be able to escape the abyss of cynicism, but rather we would be caught there. No matter how much we church it up or turn it into some sort of flowing, beautiful, new-agey mysticism, ultimately there is no escaping the abyss except through voluntary participation in pursuit of that which is right and true and good. And so if our society, the society that we are living in, this American Western culture, it has been undergoing a series of abuses such that are producing moral injuries across our country at in, or on mass, then it is our duty, our responsibility as citizens to voluntarily take steps, small steps, to correct that injury, healing from it, and healing our communities from it. It is not so much to say that you have been injured. Sure, certainly arguments like the communists and, and various organizations and communities and politicians and cultures have hijacked this perpetual victimhood status. But which is it that you choose to be? Is it that do you want to embrace and live in the constant foolish bliss of victimhood? Or do you choose voluntarily to pursue what is excellent and build it up in your community? 
this is where the attitude shifts and this is where we can see some of this year's attitude and that is here i am send me you must be willing to navigate the moral abyss that exists within you in pursuit of the objective morality that is outside of you it sounds technical and it sounds so much like the words a philosopher might engage in but once again that is where we are at if you're caught in a situation if you find yourself in a situation where you how you are engaging in the use of force then if you enter into that situation naive or intentionally ignorant then you should expect moral injury the problem with being naive is that it sort of deals something similar to the Dunning-Kruger effect where it no longer become it can no longer be called naivety if we know that we are naive and choosing to maintain it it's a bit of a twist of words and a bit of an uh uh, uh uh, not a forcing, but a, an application of a concept to how we think. And <clears throat> moral injury takes place on the individual level when the individual level does not hold, or, or, or when the individual's conscience, which might be different than their worldview, receives moral injury. So, what does this mean going forward? If you are being coerced into doing something that you think is evil, whether it is affirming an ideology which you believe to be counter to what is true, or if it is um, accepting a lie that your world is being led by a benevolent ruler or whatever, then the rejection of those injuries those mechanisms of injury per se, is predicated on your beliefs and how you commit yourself to what is right and true and good. And in order for it to be true, it must be objectively true. And in order for it to be good, one must be able to seek after the source of the goodness. And so it is, in this sense, a defense to understand and pursue understanding of what you believe to be right and true and good which in this sense is why we engage in philosophy if we are going to be engaging in the use of force it is our responsibility before morality itself to understand what is the moral use of force and to build within ourselves the courage to act accordingly so this is a this conversation into moral injury is wrapping up there will be more on the subject as we continue but what are cases of moral injuries that are being inflicted on your country today i'm curious to hear your point of view on that but if you want to support us you know where to find us redacted culture at locals or redactedculture.locals.com and you can head over to redactedllc.com and pick up some of or keep us supported there so if you've enjoyed this hit a like share it with your friends and we'll talk to you soon go forth and conquer